I'm your host, Mr. James, and you are listening to Right in the Schoolies. So my next guest is a poet, comedian, burlesque performer from Newcastle-upon-Tyne, known for her rowdy and honest work. Modern-day punk poetry and a world where being your authentic self is one of the most radical things you can do. She has two critically acclaimed Edinburgh shows and some shiny five-star reviews under her belt for Be More, Do Better But Don't Change from 2018 and Teenage Kicks, which I had the pleasure of seeing in 2019 at my Virgin Fringe. She currently lives in Bristol and also works with young people and survivors of sexual assault. It is Roisin Crowley-Linton. Hello, how are you? Hello, hi, I'm brilliant, thank you. How are you? Very nice to see you. Uh, the last time I saw you, and I can say this, but don't tell my wife, the last time I saw you, you, uh, you had your clothes off and you were, you were dancing to Katy Perry, but there we go. No, not Katy Perry. Well, actually, no, that is true. Oh, One sorry, moment. no, I'm conflating those two, those two yeah. moments. And they're very different uh, moments in tone, you know. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll be sure to, I'll be sure to remember that. Of course, Katy Perry was the was the Geordie Girls sketch, of course, Absolutely. which, which would be, which was wonderful, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point soon. <laughs> so, Regine, we're here to talk about you, and obviously, a lot of your, the work that I saw, your 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 set that I saw at the Fringe, had such a, a core of school life and how that stays with you. So I'm really excited to talk to you about your school days. So first of all, would you just tell us where you went to school, when you went to school and just anything about it that you think we should know? Yeah, so I went to school um, and I've already proved my freakish memory for dates, things. I can remember what I wore for almost every weekend of my life, every party, everything's like that, even when I was a teenager. So I've got all this, right? So I went to school. Can I say the name of the school? That's not a safeguarding thing, is it? I'm a full grown up, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I went, <laughs> so I was going to go to my old school and try and find me, right? So I went to Heaton Manor, um, which is a state school in Newcastle. Um, and I went there from 2004 to 2011. And I went there, we called it high school. It, where, are you, where are you from? Do you call it high school? Uh, that's definitely more of a northern thing. So we yeah. tend to call it just secondary school down here. Yeah, same in Bristol. And I've been laughed at by the kids a couple of times for calling it high school because I think I'm trying to be American. Um, and we also see like pants instead of trousers up north, which <laughs> again, didn't realise until I moved down south and like said to someone that I like the pants and uh, it was thoroughly inappropriate. Um, and I went, yeah, so between 2004 and 2011, and I went um, high school and sixth form there. So all the way from 11 to 18. And then before that, I went to Ravenswood Primary School, which is about two minutes away as well. And I would like both of these schools to know that I'm available to come and do talks because they've not <laughs> invited me back yet. <laughs> and I personally think it's really offensive because I would love to go back. But um, I also understand that I, I'm not like a very good example of like what a good student can achieve. <laughs> I didn't do very well. Um, so I, I do understand the hesitancy, but I'm hoping by putting that out into the universe, they'll invite me back as an inspiring um, model, uh, role model or something. Um, what I wore, I was really lucky for school because we never had to wear a blazer or shirt or tie or nothing. We just wore a, a white polo shirt and a black jumper, black crew neck jumper um, and just anything black on the bottom. So um, I definitely lived to push that um, to its maximum of flexibility of what was allowed under the school rules. Um, and I, again, we'll talk about this later, but I was sent home a couple of times for uniform and things like that. So, um, but I really loved being comfy. I didn't really mind wearing a uniform at all. I still don't mind wearing a uniform. I have to wear scrubs at work now. I wear black scrubs and that I love that because then you just don't have to care what people are going to think. I look, I was, I'm doing a podcast today, but I've done my full makeup. <laughs> I just get so excited. I can either do zero or a hundred, right? And I don't really do anywhere in between. So I think makeup. lockdowns had that effect on everybody at the moment with our with our choices about what we wear. You know, we sort of <laughs> just what's the point? Why am I going to wear jeans now? You know. True, true. I think this might be the death of jeans forever. Absolutely, right? we're not going back. We're not, definitely not to like high-waisted skinny jeans. I'm sorry, everyone, but <laughs> never had that problem myself. But you know, there's always a first time. Maybe lockdown's <laughs> going to be it. Maybe the fashionable change that men can wear high-waisted skinny jeans. I mean, they can. Everyone you would, can. Uh, yeah. I, I think I'd make a few people sick if I did. But there we go. 
So uh, tell me more about that uniform incident that you initially alluded to. Well, 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 this is one of the things that I hold closest to my heart um, because I'm, you know, I'm equal parts proud and um, absolutely infuriated by the sheer audacity of the people who ran my school um but i was in year nine and i'm sure you remember earlier i said that i remember everything and i can tell you my exact outfit um i could probably tell you what underwear i was wearing but i won't but i, I don't remember that detail um so i came to school it was a wednesday morning and i had come to school and i felt really great about myself but I was, so I was 13 to 14. I was also not, I hadn't really got my head around how my body had changed in the last year or so, right? So um, I definitely still see myself as a, like a little girl. And I went to school wearing <laughs> wore a black pleated skirt from H&M. It was just a cute little, little thing. I wore um, fishnets, um, which were like <laughs> florally ones like does that make sense it was like just fishnet if i say yes it makes me sound like a pervert or someone <laughs> that wears them so i'm just gonna say yeah why not <laughs> yeah that makes sense yeah <laughs> and i was wearing my dr martin's which um oh, my sister's dr martin's which she'll want me to share because she's taking them back now they're still going but um pair of black dr martin's and um my school polo shirt and a grey jumper over the top just like a sort of fitted grey jumper like a woolen one and it wasn't look I'm not saying it was it was the uniform right <laughs> um this is not the point I'm making as I'll describe it it's clear and clear that it was clearly not uniform which is fine send me home for not wearing the uniform they weren't super strict at that time about that anyway but do you know what I mean they can say machine ticky jumper off like if you got an, a school one or whatever but what actually happened is that um before I even got to my first lesson, um, I was pulled pulled away in the street, which is what we call the big corridor um, in the middle, because schools love to give things really stupid names. Like, when I go to school and they're like, oh, you've just got to head to the den. That's just through the, you know, the, the forest of wonder. You know, just call it a library, guys. Um, <laughs> and they, I was pulled aside on the street and I was pulled into an office and a man called Mr. Holmes, who I think might have been the head of year, but he was my biology teacher. Um, he pulled me aside and he said to me that I needed to go home because I was distracting all of the boys and that I looked like something out of Rocky Horror and uh, like I at the time was just like oh my god thank you so much (laughs) (laughs) both of the things that I was trying to do with this look so I appreciate that sir Um, and I will take the day off thank you so much (laughs) goodbye Um, and I went home and I remember I was catcalled on my way home clearly in my school uniform but I was beeped at a couple of times on my 10 minute walk home and then one time um, for a non-uniform day, I wore, and again, something in hindsight I do understand was inappropriate for work, uh, for school even, right? Like, I guess, but I was just a child. I was just a child trying to work out my style. And I, it's not my fault that I got really big boobies overnight, right? <laughs> um, And I, oh, so I did wear like a PVC dress to school once for non-uniform. <laughs> I like, <laughs> and big platform boots. Um, and I was pulled aside into an office for this, um, for Miss Donnelly, who, oh no, she was my head of year. Who knows who any of these teachers were, right? Um, you can't really keep track. There's just a lot of grown-ups in your life. Um, but she pulled me aside to talk to me about um, cervical cancer and the risks of having um, unprotected sex and, and how I would get cervical cancer if I wasn't careful, um, which blows my mind because I quite clearly, <laughs> by dressing like a big, dirty, greasy goth, right? Like, I don't think any lads were trying to sleep with me. <laughs> well, like, that's definitely not the like the chat that needed to happen. Do you know what I mean? I'm just like, all right, actually, you seem to be really, really acting out in your, in your clothing here or just like... Um, oh, you're not cold. Like, <laughs> and it was crazy because also there was girls um, who came to school in the super low-rise jeans with their thong hanging out, you know, was the style. Um, I remember, it was I wouldn't name a name actually, but she's my friend and I thought she looked so good. But when we were in year eight, I remember when she did that and I know she didn't get pulled aside for doing that. And that is arguably just, you know, as 
as sexualized, I guess, for, or as mm. inappropriate for sort of 12, 13 year olds. But it's really funny what schools decide to choose on. That's not me going, oh, the little emo. So I had it harder than anyone else. It's just interesting how adults view um, sort of teenage sexuality and the, and the dangers of that, right? Absolutely. And also what, you know, whose, whose job is to be the gatekeeper of what is and what isn't appropriate. I mean, it's always the same. I've got a forum group and you say, right, uh, next week's a non-uniform day, so remember to bring in your pound. And they look at you and one of them goes, sir, what can we wear and what can't we wear? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not here to give you sartorial advice. You know, that's not that's literally not my job. But, but we, we did have a kid um, once come in. This is years ago at another school, so I could name him. His name was Harjot. And he was this very quiet lad, very, very quiet, barely said a word. Came in on a non-uniform day, just wearing this big woolly hat with a big marijuana leaf on the front of it and round the back it just said weed and he sort of walks in just completely and the rest of him is quite quite normal really when he just sort of sat down and we sort of do the register <laughs> what is that and he went oh it's my weed hat and that just became it so we had to confiscate it and i was thinking the whole time how do i explain this to him i was like you know why that's inappropriate he went oh my mum bought it for me you're like <laughs> same thing we were talking about earlier i've just yeah. people sometimes don't know what's appropriate and what's not and i was like well i've got these address you know i like these things why not the problem is that if they went around the staff room that every time someone mentioned harsh we just go blaze it and just yeah <laughs> 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 oh dear he's probably in prison now who knows do you remember anything about more your high school now i guess but anything about the building anything about the classrooms were there any sort of bizarre things that you had to do in assembly or, or anything like that? So my school was quite new. We were the first year, I think it was part of a pretty like Blairite sort of push of building the new schools, you know. And so we were the first year sevens to be in the school as it was built new. And my brother and sister, so my sister was the year above me and my brother, it was... Um, two years above her, but the youngest in that year. So, you know, we were all pretty much back to back. And they were there whilst it was, one half was this like fallen down, crumbly, like old school. And one was this like new cardboard school. <laughs> I got there and I, I was like, so excited. Cause I was going, like, oh my God, one of the first people to come here. But then it was just falling down within the end of the year. And we took like quite a lot of pride in like how shit the school looked already. After <laughs> some sort of chaotic teenage uh, like want for uh, like destruction. But, um, you know, there was like holes in the walls and the ceiling tiles were falling down and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and oh, what else was that? Oh yeah. The school it was just fine. Do you know what I mean? There was no sort of like real history behind it. Um, it had like merged at some point in the 60s or 70s like as lots of schools had done with a grammar and a comp or whatever they were called back then um, and so it was just there wasn't any traditions or anything like that it was all pretty new it was all pretty chaotic and um, it was like I don't have any real sense of like pride of like do you know mm. what I mean I'm not like an alumni of Heaton Manor um, <laughs> which like is a sh- like I've seen people come from especially private schools there's like it's crazy how much you like your school and it's like guys move on and this is coming from someone who talks about being a teenager all the time <laughs> <laughs> and like you know it's just a lot isn't it I never got that sense of community from my school it must have been interesting to be a teacher there and have been struggling for so long in a really you know shitty falling down school mm-hmm. and having this transition period and then having this, you know, supposedly brand new shiny school with all the resources to make these brilliant young minds, but that's never quite how it works, is it? No, no. I mean, I, I remember when I when I started at my secondary school, I, we were the first year group to have to wear blazers. So all the other kids had never had to wear them. They got to wear, a bit like you mentioned, the white polo shirt, maybe a jumper if they felt like it. You know, but we were the first ones to arrive. And, of course, with blazers, you were supposed to wear ties. So, of course, all these years, seven, we all turn up looking like uh, looking like Mormons. And these <laughs> these, these, old, these older kids, I mean, you know, if you wanted to have a big target that said, please beat the shit out of me, you know, that, that was it right there. <laughs> I know. That's not fair, is it? They should have made the year 11s do it first and then yeah, we... <laughs> I, 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 think, I think they knew they were onto a lost cause there when it came to that. <laughs> yeah. 
we'll write off the older years and just try and instill it from the, the little ones okay. definitely the, the, the next question is really more about you and what you enjoyed subject wise at school and also were there any subjects that you really struggled with do you remember sort of a class that you just looked at your timetable and went oh yeah looking forward to that and others that you thought oh geez not this again <laughs> um yeah but I don't think but I really didn't like any subject like I'm pretty I, I like to think I'm like quite a positive person and as long as like do you know what I mean I'll give everything a go and like even if I'm not very good at things you know I'll I don't I, you know things oh everything's interesting learning is interesting finding out new things is interesting even if it's not a field that I'm particularly good at which is something I really liked about um school I really like just rocking up to geography and being like well there's no pressure on this I don't give a shit about the rocks but I guess I'll <laughs> learn about you know the coast and erosion and whatever but I and if it was a bad teacher I hated it I really really I needed someone who was who could sort of work a bit flexibly and was interested and engaging and like just not all teachers are and not all students need that as well so I do understand the need for everything but I would say the subjects that I excelled in and sort of focused on are the ones that allowed that sort of flexibility in learning and so that is drama it is English in some circumstances it is art and things like that and you know like I said you know I liked science and geography I'm not very good at all that and like maths but I you know if I like the teachers I'd, I'd turn up every lesson if I didn't like the teacher I just wouldn't go did you discover any talents that you didn't know you had <laughs> um no <laughs> fair enough I don't think so I don't think that my I when I look back on my education I don't remember being sort of um nurtured and cherished um and that is just because we were in big big classes and mm. the teachers were really overwhelmed and things like that and there just wasn't the space for it and some of the teachers were just shite um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think what I did realize is that I'm quite good at um chatting shite and I'm quite good at um just like showing up and being enthusiastic like in PE I'm like not athletic or at all but um I got on really well with the teachers because I would like love to lead warm-ups for everyone um if it was like aerobics I'd give it a good go you know if it was like running around a field I would walk around and they were pretty like yeah you know we'll let that you know we're not gonna <laughs> force you into anything um so I I, I sort of learned that you can get away with a lot as long as you're quite nice. You, you discovered the talent for the blag. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> that's a talent it. in its own right. Oh, it is, right? And I, this is one of the things I try and teach my young people. It's like, just just like ask, just be nice, just go to your teachers and, and just be really honest and, and open and, and polite about it. And I promise you, they will do whatever you want them to do. And that is so true, isn't it? Very true. Um, just that like being able to be that little bit vulnerable and, and understanding what people what information people want from you I think is really important as well and it is funny as well because I think we get certainly main classroom teachers of secondary school subjects we get so caught up in exam specification and discipline and all these things and we sometimes forget that these people are 14 15 years old and you take for granted that they might have social skills but actually teaching them that they're, they're, they're not they're not there for everybody not everyone has them innately and so like you said going up and talking to an adult and actually going so by the way what could I do with this and the kids who are good at that they tend to go further anyway because they they naturally have that there so yeah it's, it's very interesting what you said I like the idea of you turning up to PE and just going oh right come on let's just do this everyone follow me you know <laughs> but, but a bit of bravado goes a very long way I think Right, I know, just a bit of like, oh, go on then, I'll give it a go. I might, in year nine, there was a ski trip and we were all told like, oh, if you don't do well in PA, you won't be allowed to go, um, which is obviously just like, oh, you know, if you're skiving PA every single day um, and you're, you know, shouting at the teachers, they're going to, they, you know, that's going to reflect. But I was really scared and I was like, I, I'm not good enough to go on this ski trip. <laughs> the teacher was like, well, you're just very enthusiastic. So I, I think that's probably enough, isn't it, Regina? <laughs> <laughs> And that stuck with me. 
Hey, enthusiasm is 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 its own thing. I think you know you, you got to you, that's where it all starts. I would say. Now, we talked about potential times with uniform that you uh, bent the rules, tweaked the rules a bit. Did you ever get into any real trouble at school? Were there any incidents that you can recall where you were hauled up for something that you did, or worse, you had to take the rap for something that wasn't entirely your fault? Look, nothing big. I don't like getting into trouble, really. <laughs> I've got, I'm, I'm very conflicted because I don't like being told what to do, but I don't like being in trouble. Um, so I think that is why I've sort of <laughs> managed to find a balance of, like, mouthy and, and really nice at the same time, which I'm just desperately clinging on to at all times, hoping that, I, I you know, I don't go too far either way. But I remember in year six, I... Um, I we had to pray every day in school or we know we had to sing hymns I don't think we prayed but um, we had to sing hymns and it's all you know I don't mind too much when it's you know when it's the fun ones like what's that one about and a win for my home team do you know what I'm talking about I think oh god I'm getting trauma flashbacks here yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like and I mustn't forget that's it and I mustn't forget and I mustn't forget to see a great big thank you. I anyway, there's a line in it which is about, and I win for my home team. And obviously, in little Geordie school, loves all singing that. That was our like end of year six treat to be able to shout that line in a hymn. But I got to year six and I was, um, so I'm like atheist. My parents are both atheists, but um, my mammy was brought up in Liverpool. So she was brought up as um, not. So, I mean, there's other religions you can be brought up in mm. Liverpool in the 60s, but as you can imagine, she was Catholic mm. um, and then wasn't Catholic. Um, so I was raised as an atheist and in year six, I had noticed there was a couple of the other girls in my year who weren't singing along to the hymns and I'd asked them about it and they said, oh, well, we're Muslims, so um, we don't, you know, we don't sing to the hymns. And I was like... Oh shit! I didn't realise that was an option. So <laughs> I, I went and spoke to um, I think he was the head teacher at this point, but he was he'd just been like a year six teacher, just um, Mr. Maddy. Um, he was a year six teacher. I think I had him for maths. So I went and I said to him after assembly, um, and again, dead nice, dead polite. I'm a lovely little girl, and I went and I said, "Excuse me, Mr. Madison, is it okay if I don't sing the hymns next time because I don't believe in God?" And he walked away and left me and then the next day in assembly we were sat on the benches at the back and he stopped the whole assembly and he told me to stand up and he shouted at me in front of everyone this is the first time that wow. time this has ever happened to me he shouted at me for being insolent or asking asking to do that and uh, I mean I never sang a fucking hymn oh, again in that oh school. my god <laughs> but I was mortified I just was like bright red I felt really stupid and silly and embarrassed but also hugely infuriated um turn the other cheek eh yeah exactly yeah so um I, yeah that was mad and that was sort of towards the end of year six and I was like fuck this shit wow <laughs> tell me what to do again <laughs> yeah, but, yeah yeah that's my like that's the big big time I got in trouble but I guess it's funny isn't it how you said you were year six. You think about how long ago that was. I mean, you were younger than me, but, you know, still a long time ago, relatively mm. speaking. And it stays with you, that feeling of, especially what you said, that that public humiliation, whether it's justified in the eyes of the teacher or not, is something that, well, I personally try never to do because I just, I hate the idea of ever feeling like that. I, I remember times where I was, you know, hauled up because I did these, um, you, know, you know how a lot of these songs are call response you know mm. they they and there's there's always that sort of final verse and you're not following words on a big screen like you would do now you're supposed to know them and of course it gets to the end of the song and who shouts out the loudest part of his voice the next line of what he thinks is the song no the song's over and so i go ah! and i'll never forget just that moment of just everyone turning and looking at me and that was it i was just like <laughs> never again never yeah. again <laughs> So no, I I I hear you, I, and I feel your pain on that one. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned a teacher who you didn't like, but did you have any teachers that you thought, you know what, they were good? Now I reflect on it. Now I think about it. I really enjoyed their their, their lessons. It doesn't have to be because they were amazing and down with the kids, but they were just good, and then they 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 were very you could, someone you could really respect. 
Yeah, I knew immediately who I wanted to tell you about because he is one of the best teachers, I think, that the Northeast has ever had. And there was a man called Mr. Lightfoot. And if anyone is listening who went or goes to Heaton Manor at any point, they'll know exactly who I'm talking about and exactly why I'm bringing him up. Um, And he was an art teacher. Um, But he just... I don't know. We didn't. I was going to say he commanded a respect, but that's not true. He um, he gave a lot of respect, and in turn, he received it. And um, he was a sort of teacher who everybody did their homework for. There was not, in class we would do. I think every two weeks or something, he'd give us homework, and then the next lesson would spend time looking through all the pieces and talking about them and talking about what we liked and and he would give feedback and stuff like that we'd all you know crowd around this desk and like you know that's a hard thing to get teenagers to do is to give that sort of feedback and have that sort of critical thinking Um, but he would you know and there's been times when I've given up on (laughs) making people do that sort of routinely because it is so hard and it can be a really difficult thing um, and really hard to manage and, and sort of facilitate in a really kind way. And he did it. Everyone did their homework and nobody gave him cheek. Nobody took like when we when he asked us to be quiet, everyone was quiet. And he um and it just wasn't an issue. It wasn't like, oh, that was a fucking shit lesson because we had to we weren't allowed to speak, actually. And I think that also like I was saying earlier, the subject lended itself to that atmosphere because actually it is really nice just to sit for an hour and draw. Like that's not a, a crazy, horrible task for anyone to do. Um, and he was just so kind. And he also had a daughter called Rasheen. Um, uh-huh. And so when I got there in year seven and I've had whatever, like 11 years of no one ever knowing how to pronounce my name. Since I was a baby, like the nurses used to call me like Raisin when I was when they'd, like call me <laughs> get away as a baby and stuff like that so this man just like knew how to say my name and uh, like he was just so kind and so lovely um and I ended and what would if for year 10 and 11 he ran like an art club and so we would just go on like a Thursday I think it was and we'd stay until six just when the school closed and we finished at 2.40 so that was you know two and a half hours there and he would have to kick us out as well it would be it was like the closest I think I ever got to a sort of youth club but it was just us hanging around pretending to do our coursework um, and he was just so so lovely and kind he used to have this thing where he'd say that um the girls have it easier in his lessons because they can talk with their eye contact and their body language they didn't have to speak to talk and um which obviously made all the girls go like <laughs> yeah that is true we're so much smarter than the boys and then we'd like you know we'd have, try and have our little conversations but then the lads would be like well I can do it too do you know what I mean and it was like he was just a really really great teacher and he was just full of kindness um and even I uh, did art at a level and I got a I think I might have got a U in the end, but he was always so nice to me. He was never, yeah. <laughs> By the way, he just pulled a face that went, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no, I just, I, it, it, he was your teacher for A-level as well. Yes, yeah. All right, cool. Um, but I just uh, wouldn't say I really attended sixth form um, in person, just on paper, you know. Um, <laughs> and he, yeah, he, even, you know, I was obviously... You know, in a lot of ways, disappointing him and letting him down, but he never sort of made me feel I'm bad for that. I presume you still enjoy art. You've you've, you've certainly gone into a career in the arts, which is good. Yeah. Look, I, I was never like a an art, I, like I was never super like visually creative. I really I only love drawing people, um, and I'm like quite I'm okay. At, you know, I'm I'm fine. <laughs> I think it's like totally okay to say that you're fine at things and people don't really say that they're just okay at things enough but I'm okay at art and I really really like it I, th- I find it really sort of gentle and I think it's nice to like have another way of sort of being able to communicate um, but it was never it was never my thing do you know what I mean I always knew it was going to be drama-ish um, yeah let's let's talk a bit more about drama because clearly anybody that can can do a how long was your teenage kids performance because it went by like that that's how much i enjoyed it but how long was it actually in approximate time i've no idea well, it should have been exactly an hour but uh you know give or take <laughs> give or take five 
I've I've attempted in the past as a, as a laugh and with with other people. I've I've been in I've been in school productions. I even had a little go at stand up at one point for fun. That was a that was a macabre charade. But <laughs> what I can say is, standing on stage for five minutes at an open mic night is about as much as I've done, and it felt like an absolute eternity, especially when no one was laughing at my jokes. So <laughs> I'd be really intrigued to know how someone can have the the bravery to not just stand on stage for an hour and not just stand, dance, you know, recite poetry, your own poetry, of course, and and uh, and then of course you've got the you've got the finale of, of burlesque. That takes some serious, not just talent, but it also takes a lot of belief. Where where did you start to discover that you had this ability? Oh, who knows? Because I hear that quite a lot, and I think that's crazy that anyone thinks that about me. I am. I found out. I don't know if you know this. But I have recently found out because I have a therapist through work now. We have to see a therapist once a month, twice a month, actually, one group supervision and one um, one to one. And I've recently found out that not everybody has uh, what she describes as core low self-esteem. And I had thought that absolutely everybody (laughs) felt the same way as I do. But it turns out there's like three types of self-esteem you can have, um, high, I think the other one's medium, high, medium and low. And I just assumed that everyone had like a desperate sense of low self-esteem. It turns out that's not true. Some people feel really confident in themselves, which blows my mind. So that's a new journey that I'm going on. But I I, I, th- I don't, I don't know, basically. I, I did a lot of youth theatre and I went to a youth theatre called uh, at Live Theatre, which is a new writing theatre on the Quayside. Um, and their youth theatre is wasn't is amazing. I then worked for, for them and with them when I graduated Um and I've got lots and lots of friends who still work with them and um, some of my facilitators when I was a teenager are now some of my closest friends. So it's a really nice, in like a really nice appropriate way as well. Of course. <laughs> they let me go away to like turn 21. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, and so I did a show there called Here Come the Girls, which was a verbatim show, which um, if anyone's listening who doesn't know what verbatim is, it means basically you're um, recorded and it's an interview and then um, those words are taken directly and then made into a script and put on stage. And so there was um, two or three sort of professional writers, um, Beth Coverdale, who's now one of my really good friends who I love and I've worked with, um, some of the writers, it was directed by Amy Golden um, and um, Rosa, blah, 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 lots and lots of really great people. Um, and it was just like you know looking back I'm like oh my god I wish I could do that project with some young people like it was so well funded and and all that sort of stuff and um it was about being a young woman in Tyneside and so um and they were really brilliant at getting a really diverse um mix of people so there was um some people who were first first or second generation refugees or immigrants and um some people who were sort of born and bred you know like my friend Sam is you know proper little walker girl but she was about 25 at the time and then um I think the youngest was um Beth who is was 11 and um she was the daughter of oh, I don't actually know where her family's from I don't I won't say in case they're not from there I'm so sorry if you listen Beth um but we're still really close friends and that and you know with all those age differences um just really nice and basically that was like the first time I was like oh right like um these are my words and they're like valid enough and I can see them and I remember I was so nervous I hated talking to grown-ups when I was younger I felt really really like oh I hated it I just thought like oh I didn't know what to say to anyone um and I did uh, like maybe like I don't know hours of interviews with um Beth Coverdale and I dread to I think back to them because I will have just spent the whole time going hey I don't know <laughs> and then it was like this and then I had this and like just talking in this ineloquent way that like I knew wasn't me and I knew wasn't I wasn't saying all the things I wanted to say but um obviously she was very kind and very patient and so um and pulled out the good stuff as well I think that's why it works good to do <laughs> to do that stuff with young people because sometimes you know when you're 14 15 you just sort of chat a lot of shit and hope that some of that <laughs> some of it works right um and so I talked they like put in a lot of the stuff that I talked about about um catcalling and things like that that I'd experienced at the time which and like being approached by like 
gross men and stuff, which looking back, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I wish that I could give 15 year old girls the chance to go on stage and see that sort of stuff and have it be in this lovely heartwarming and funny and um, communal way as well. I mm. think it was, was really, really important about it is, you know, we were doing it as much for each other on the stage as we were for the audience. Um, and that was just so lovely. So I think that, and I loved youth theatre, I would go every, I'd go, you know, two or three times a week. Um, sort of nothing had stopped me, but even if I'd, you know, not gone into school. So. And was it around um, youth theatre that you, you discovered an interest and a love in writing poetry what, rather than school? Or did you find that it was more of a roundabout sort of thing? It was, yeah, definitely more roundabout. I didn't really know what it was. Like, I'd obviously done poetry in school, but um, I didn't like sitting. I still don't like reading poetry. Um, I've got lots of really brilliant friends who have released books, which I just can't sit down and read. I'm really sorry, everyone. Please put it on an audio book, put it on YouTube, and I'll spend hours and hours and hours down um, a black hole. Um, but uh, I'm you know and I, I really like reading books or so I really liked reading books when I was younger but I just couldn't get my head around reading poetry it didn't feel right I felt like things need to be said right words I think need to have sounds um which you know not everyone has to agree with that but that's I know but then that that is actually one of the greatest problems that I think everyone has trying to make poetry relatable you th- you think about the uh the scarce poets of the sort of 60s and 70s, you think about the sort of punk poetry movement, the slam poetry movement, deaf poetry. I remember, you know, not getting the opportunity to go to those kind of things because I'm from a desperately uncool part of the world, Hampshire. <laughs> you know, um, you're not going to get a couple of far, couple of farmers doing slam poetry at one another. It's not, it's unlikely. But, but I, it's it's interesting that you say that getting words out there poetry is supposed to be expressive rather than just contained to the page i agree mm-hmm. yeah and that sort of i love the the fire that you can get in poetry which i think people are a bit hesitant to give to young people i think people will try and stay really safe with teenagers um, and we did i had one spoken word workshop with a lady called degna stone who i then again went to work with um when i was older and she's a really really brilliant and, and beautiful beautiful poet um completely different style to me um and and obviously it was just one <laughs> one workshop that we had and I um and I just wish that I'd sort of clicked what else you know what she was introducing us to you know I wish I'd, I'd sort of understood the depths that it could go but you know I think that's I like I wish I'd had YouTube to look at all of the brilliant and fierce people right i suppose that's the thing really you mentioned sort of 2004 to 2011 like while youtube's around not quite as accessible for people just to look at it on a phone or on a tablet you know and and, well, and like, i guess on youtube was like smosh do you know what i mean yeah, exactly <laughs> i was a big fan of <laughs> um now looking back did you ever think you'd have achieved what you've achieved and be where you are right now i think if it's sort of that idea of were there any early signs that this was kind of where you were heading? Because I always used to say, because my mum's a teacher, I'm never becoming a teacher. That's ridiculous. What a stupid job. What a waste of time. They're all sad. And um, so, so here I am. But, but I, do, I do find it interesting when people say, actually, if I told myself when I was that age, I would have done this and done this. I don't know. Oh, really? That's amazing. I'm really chuffed. I am... Um... Yeah, I fully knew what I wanted to do. And that's not a nice thing to say that people want to hear. Like, oh, I had no idea either. No, it's I- great. It's refreshing. <laughs> I was such a little twat. I, I, <laughs> I talked about this in my in teenage clicks, but I genuinely went to our like careers advisor when I was in sort of year nine or ten. And I said, I want to be a drama facilitator. Um, and she was like, I, you know, I just don't know what that means. And I was like, that's okay. <laughs> I do. And I always She's looking through her forms for that one. <laughs> She's like, sorry, a facil- facil- drama. <laughs> and I and she was like, well, you know, the, you'll be rehearsing in like uh, it'll be like cold rehearsal spaces. And because I've been at live theatre and I felt so grown up and professional by being in this like big proper theatre on the quayside, I was like, I know exactly what it's like to be an actress. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and like I was never like desperate to be on sort of film or even really in in plays. Like I don't like 
I don't like any sense of competition. I don't like auditioning for things. I don't like being against people. I don't like having to sell myself. I'm in the like complete wrong industry for it. Um, but it like makes me really, really sick to my little stomach. I hate it. Um, so I I just thought I don't know. I didn't I didn't know what comedy was. There wasn't I obviously haven't seen a lot of super like um, alternative female comics. Um, I don't think I'd seen a lot of female comics, especially not young ones at the time. Sort of um, big female comics that I can remember from that age, you know, sort of Joe Brand and that sort mm. of era. Um, and I think the sort of Sarah Pascoe generation came just after that, but definitely when I was growing up and, and that I, I didn't see that as a job I could do. Um, I'm from a family who really values working and making a difference. Both my parents are... Um, very left-leaning socialists and as am I um, and as I have been for my entire life so um, I all I knew was that I wanted to do drama in some way but most importantly make a difference and I think it's more that it's the making the difference was important my skill set my skill set leans me into drama or performance hmm not just drama and performance because of course there is there's always that fear I think with performance writing anything like that there's that there's that sense of some people see it self-indulgent but actually done properly and in the kind of role that you do it's the opposite you're you're using it in a in a therapeutic way do you this is not a question I've prepped you for so feel free to um and ah for as long as you like um given the kind of young people that you work with because I'm really fascinated by this. Because I, I, I've just, I just, I just try and get kids to enjoy Shakespeare with with limited success. Um, do you ever find yourself meeting young women like that? Reminder of yourself. Yeah. Oh my God. Every day, and I, you know, it's it's really hard. Um, but I, I like, I just want to say as well, like, I'm very, very lucky. I don't have to follow curriculum. I don't have to follow a lot of school guidelines. Like, a lot of teachers would get in trouble for allowing young people to act the way that they do with me. And, like, you know, I'm, my rule is, like, you can swear, just not at someone. Um, and, you know, you need to get up and um, walk around and, and move about. And if you're sat on the table, you know, that sort of really relaxed atmosphere that I can give, especially because it's in smaller groups. Um, I understand that I'm very, very lucky. And so I'm always really, really, I want teachers to know that I'm not going, oh, guess what, guys? I'm cooler than everyone else and the kids like me more and blah, blah, blah. It's just that I'm given a different circumstance to work in. To work in and I, mm. um, and it's really frustrating that, uh, that teachers, you know, full-time teachers who slave and slave away aren't given the same generosity of space and time. And um, I guess... Uh, the you're not you don't always get to say I know what's best right because you have to you know if a, t if a kid's in your lesson not wearing a tie and they go to the next one and say well Mr said I could that that was all right um you know that would be really annoying for everyone else right I understand there's some order to be kept so I you know I'm very, very lucky to get to work in the way that I do. I guess, though, in a way, the reward for that—sorry to interrupt—is yeah. that you, you get to see some of these. You get to see some of these students at their at the most vulnerable, at the most real. They're not putting on a front for you because you know you are somebody. Well, that, that's 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 a role which you can help to facilitate. You are a facilitator in in the best possible way, and I'm always intrigued, especially in a place like Bristol, a place I know quite well. Um, but I didn't grow up in, of course. You know, some of these, some of the demographics and the the, the sort of inequality and poverty—it's really, it's really quite stark, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I last year I used to go and work in a state school on the edge of Bristol, South Glass in Kingswood, and then would go um, into a private school, and it used to make me sick. It made me sick at the, just the disparity in resources, in wealth, and um, the attitude of the teachers as well. And, and that's not a slight on um, the state school teachers. I'm just going to put that out there. That's not a slight on them. It is uh, a slight on the other teachers. Um, and <laughs> it is a slight on someone. Um, and yeah, it really, 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 really is just so upsetting. And I was seeing this horrible horrible lad once and he had gone to a private school 
quite close to to my state school um, in Jesmond. And he said, he told me one time that in school, what used to happen is that they were sort of given a subject or they were told to talk about something, whatever, just have to talk and talk and talk uh, until the teacher decided they'd said enough. And I that blew my mind because I can't remember a single time in school being told, go on, it's your turn to talk now for a long time and you've got to hold this space. Actually, what what happened in my school was fighting for attention. And I'm not, you know, and that, I mean that as in the teachers are spread desperately trying to help people. There's not enough time in the lesson for everyone to have a go at given a speech or a debate or something like that and I just thought god the confidence that must instill you the idea of like you know well I can just talk and even if I don't know much about it I can bullshit my way through it and that that confidence and those skills I just think are are insane interesting that that brings a sort of almost full circle to what you were saying at the beginning about how in a way learning how to hold the space and have a bit of bravado and put yourself out there is a skill but it's not a taught skill in schools and or at least not in most state schools. Cause like you say, resources are usually stretched. If you're dealing with a class of 30 something um, students all at once, whereas in your, in your big private schools, the, the, the elite sort of top league ones, you might have about six or seven in a class and yeah, they're being taught about things which other people don't get to know about. And whenever you see, private school kids on school trips or anything else that you know you, you you do i do sometimes remind my students hey look they look they're, they're just like you they, they, they put the trousers on one leg at a time you know they're, they're, there's nothing special about them but they've they've been taught from an early stage of their lives through no fault of the kids necessarily that 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 they can do things that you can't and that might not be true for all of them it's not even that they can do things that other people can't it's just that they can do anything do you know what i mean it's like, yeah, of course, we can make that happen. That happens at school. Oh, we want a Lego robot building club. We've got the resource. You know, it's it's those tiny, tiny things that that really add up, right? And that really influence in a, in a really crazy way. But to uh, bring it back to do any other girls remind me of myself? Yes, absolutely. Um, and it really, really, uh, it breaks my heart, but I'm always, I'm always glad that I can... I can be there to say the things that I didn't have anyone to, anyone say to me. And I really, really like being quite honest with my young people. And I sort of don't put up a front and I don't pretend that I'm a professional. You know, I don't have to wear like office clothes to work and stuff, which is, I think, makes a big difference. Just go, look, I, I, like I'm you. I'm you in 10 mm. years. Look at me. Like that, that makes sense, doesn't it? Like, and you know, listen, you know, you, you don't think I'm a dickhead for everything else. Like I'm not an idiot. So just trust me. And even if it doesn't go, I, I was, you know, and especially oh, in the work I'm doing at the minute where, so I'm a, a crisis worker working in a sexual assault referral centre at the minute for the NHS. Um, and we have a lot of young people come through and um, I always try and just take a couple of minutes to sit down with them and sort of say, you know, whatever it is, it's relevant. But if it's just like, remember, this isn't your fault. Remember that, you know, what that man did is not okay and you know your actions leading up to it don't affect that in any way there's you know all those sort of things that people need to hear but going even if you don't believe me right now listen to these words and all of the you know when it gets too much think about that funny lady that you saw at the doctors that one time right and remember I'm saying this and I'm never wrong <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, you know you can't you can't fix anyone but hopefully just giving them something to to look back on and you know, and even when it's less serious than that, and it's just, you know, going like, remember that Rasheen says that you can do what you want, or like Rasheen says that your boyfriend can't treat you like that, or Rasheen says that I think you're a brilliant writer. So it, it's that it's that thing of being credible to people, especially young people, because what's really strange for me is uh, I'm I'm 33 in in uh, in a number of hours actually. I'm 33 tomorrow. It's my birthday tomorrow. So so I. Yes, is. <laughs> Oh, wait, your birthday's next week, isn't it? I think Monday, I saw Yeah, Monday, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, well, I'm afraid uh, it's it's a curse of being an Aquarian and a gift uh, that, that, <laughs> that 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 you spend you probably spend a lot of time feeling quite young at heart and uh, and I I fe- I sometimes find myself talking to young people and going, "Wait a minute, you were born in 2002. That's not possible." <laughs> yeah. 
that, 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 that's no, 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 no. <laughs> you need to go back and check your facts, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't be born. No, I was in year nine anyway. But it's it's definitely the idea of being credible, being able to talk to young people, and while you might not be trying to, because it's always cringy that idea of trying to be down with the kids when you're not, but you can say, hey. I don't know what that means. I don't know what you're referring to. I don't know what the hell that TikTok thing's all about. But you know what? What you're doing right now in your life in general, I can tell you that's not going to end well. I was saying, oh, yeah, and, oh, yeah, this is it. And I am a child of the internet generation, which means um, I do know what TikTok is, and I do know what TikTok dances are, and I do understand memes, and, like, I probably more than the kids and so I think and that sort of being in that comedy world and like it for me you know I I got TikTok like a really embarrassingly long time ago and actually have deleted it recently because um I like a lot of my young people were saying they'd deleted it and I was like yeah why aren't I I also hate it guys like it was fun before the pandemic wasn't it so So what is the new thing I thought I, I feel so desperately out of touch Look, I think we're all just struggling for anything that'll entertain us, right? What I do now is I just watch TikToks on Instagram, which is the worst of all worlds. Yeah. Right? (laughs) (laughs) And and the algorithm on Instagram is worse. So I get like, um, like on TikTok, it sort of knew that I was a bit left wing, knew that I was a bit, I knew that it it somehow knew I was sort of um, body positive or like didn't want to see very slim, very sort of... um, what the media would describe or fuck me. do you know what I mean not that mm. it showed me a lot of non-standard body types and showed me a lot of political things Instagram doesn't Instagram thinks that I am a 35 year old mum with bladder issues <laughs> like wants a glass of wine after like you know a day with their toddlers or whatever and yeah, yeah. well if there's one thing's for sure and you'll know this you work with teenagers you stay young at heart even if even if you even if you come home after a long day and if you're old as I must say. <laughs> now, I'm afraid I, I, I must go fairly soon. So, Rishi, yeah. thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me on my pod. And it's been an absolute pleasure, as I knew it would. Thank you for sharing all about your school days. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a joy and just nice to chat to someone in it. <laughs> just like she was on stage, an absolute joy, a warm, kind, and hilarious presence. Really, really enjoyable interview and very illuminating too. If you wish to support the pod, you can find me on Twitter at schooliespod, or just search right in the schoolies, and that's the same for Instagram, right in the schoolies, under the name Mr. James. Your homework is, of course, as ever, to give me some lovely reviews and some nice feedback. If you know of anybody who you think would want to be on our pod, be they well-known or lesser well-known, but you think that they have some good stories to tell, then get in touch on my social media. Class dismissed.